Welcome back, everybody, to a, another unscripted episode presented by Deep Dive Sports. This is a special episode because we do have someone new with us today, and that is going to be Nick. I know, two Nicks, crazy, going to be a little confusing, but we're going to have fun. So Nick is hopefully going to be joining us more on these episodes, as long as you don't scare him away today. <laughs> like we said in our post a few days ago, we are building up to a big announcement on the 12th. Look for sneak peeks throughout this episode of things that might lead to what that announcement might be, and then other posts throughout the week as well. So we are going to just have a random let's talk sports kind of show where we just talk about a bunch of random things and have fun with it. So we are going to be talking about a specific player on the 49ers named Nick Bosa and his career path. We're going to be talking about the Browns skipping OTAs and how that affects their season. We're going to be talking about all the no hitters this season in baseball. And is that weird? Not weird expected. Um, We're also going to talk about all the, the unwritten rules in baseball. And then we're going to talk about the impact of influencers in boxing on the combat world. So we will start with Nick and he will lead us in that Nick Bosa discussion. All right, guys. Yeah. Um, Nick Bosa, he plays on my favorite football team, uh, 49ers. He was drafted in 2019. He was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, October 23rd, 1997. His dad was drafted by the Dolphins in 1987. So he comes from a football family. His older brother, Joey, I'm sure maybe football fans might have heard of him. He was drafted in 2016 by the Chargers, also defensive lineman. So he went to college in Ohio State, where he played for three seasons, uh, racked up some solid numbers uh, in three seasons, 76 tackles, excuse me, 77 tackles, 29 for losses, 17 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. And while at Ohio State in 2017, won the Big Ten Smith-Brown Defensive Lineman of the Year Award. So then after that, of course, he was drafted by the Niners in 2019, where he won the Defensive Player of the Year Award. And unfortunately, last year in 2020, he suffered a season-ending ACL tear between 16 games that he played in his rookie season and only two games last year. Uh, he had 53 total tackles in 18 games, nine sacks in his rookie season, which is actually fourth most in the 49ers franchise. So he had a stout game in the Super Bowl, five tackles, one sack, seven yard loss, pass deflection of forced fumble. So he's listed at six foot four, 266 pounds, like solid guy. Me personally, I like to see him make a great comeback. Um, I actually had the pleasure of running into him a year ago at the airport and like super humble guy, uh, just seeing him on the field, like fierce competitor, his, uh, press conferences just really showed like how humble he was and just like really good teammate, great competitor. It seemed like, so I'd like to see him make a great comeback this year. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen in the past, I know definitely ACL tears and injuries like that can have a big effect you know, on guys afterwards. So with this, this guy being so young in his career, what do you guys think? I, I think he can come back, especially with today's sports medicine and the technology we have. Well, ACL tears are definitely hard on somebody. I mean, what Kevin Durant uh, suffered one in 2019 and he was out the entire I think that was an 2020 season. Um, 
So I think it's, you know, it's a rehab that takes a long time to be able to heal from. Wasn't that an Achilles, though? It wasn't Achilles or was it an ACL? It was an Achilles, yeah. Oh, Achilles, okay. My bad. I mean, you're, looking at, you're looking at players like, I mean, we can go back and uh, like Ryan Tannehill, I think, has two, two or one. Sam Bradford had three. and wow. he he didn't last very long after the third one. I mean, after the second one, his career was kind of over at that point. You look at somebody like Derek Rose after he tore his ACL. I mean, he went from being somebody that was considered to rivaling LeBron as the best player in the league at that point to just a role player off the bench pretty much for the rest of his career, bouncing around as the resident three-time ACL terror <laughs> in the group. Um, I could say that it's, sucks coming back from and the rehab and obviously they're in a good spot because they have the best doctors the best physical trainers they can do it all day long because that's their job so I think we've seen in in the past as long as you're not you know above that two ACL tear mark um, you still can be a productive player in the league and come back I think a lot of it's mental so you yeah so the, a, a lot of the reason that people tear it a second time is because they either don't take the rehab seriously and they try to go back out there and go full go, or they go out there and they're timid and they're putting too much pressure on the opposite knee to favor that knee that was torn. And then they end up tearing the opposite leg. So we've seen that a lot of times in sports as well, too. I think he definitely has a good shot of having a comeback season just because the way medicine has progressed, even from when Sam Bradford had his ACL tears, um, I mean, look at someone like OBJ. He just came back from an ACL tear, and was it like two months ago? There was video of him doing full-on sprints on a treadmill after what, seven, eight months doing. Uh, well, it's not the, and then recovery. It's it's and not, it's not the, exactly. Yeah, but it's not the straight line running that gets a lot of guys. It's the it's the cutting. It's the like for especially for a defensive lineman when you're trying to pull your way past somebody. It's putting all that pressure. And being pushed. That's why offensive linemen they wear those braces on either leg right. because it doesn't necessarily 100% prevent ACL tears in linemen. But there's a reason why you don't. The majority of people who tear their ACL are skill position players. It's not. It's not the big boys. It's not the defensive tackle. It's right. not the offensive linemen. They're out there braced up. So like for him but, and his brother, they're super injury prone. And that's another reason why, like, I'm a little worried that his career might be cut short at some point. Right. So, so maybe yeah. some preventative measures, especially if he wants to get to that second contract like his brother got, maybe yeah. wearing those braces or... How many years did his dad play? That I don't know. I don't know about any of his dad's injury issues, if he had any. I know Nick came out with an abdominal injury, like, right off the mm-hmm. bat. So that was kind of... Not like real glaring, but you want to take notice of it. I wouldn't be surprised, especially in the earlier part of the season, if they kind of take him off the field more than they normally would, just to kind of save him for later in the season, just because you know, he is shown to be a little bit injury prone. Then maybe to kind of ease him back into the game, maybe take him out a little bit more frequently than, than normal. Right, especially if there's depth at that position, they can yeah. do that. His uh, Bosa's grandfather, uncle, and granduncle all played in the NFL as well. So I was looking it up. Their father played uh, three seasons in the NFL for the for the Dolphins. Right, only three. It doesn't say anything about injuries, but maybe he was just like somebody who just couldn't get to that 
second contract or whatever, like probably a late round draft pick. Right. And most be. of the NFL players or oh no, because it's major says sports players, their average length is like three years, anyways. Yeah. It says he was drafted in the first round with the 16th overall pick. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe again that just injury history within that family. Because like I said, Joey's been. I mean, he's what he's in the league. This would be his like fourth or fifth season now so, in the league. Yeah, I think it would be entering his fifth, I believe. Yeah. So and he's really. I don't. I think he's only played a full season maybe once. So I think unfortunately to kind of close it off, my opinion of like Nick Bo says, I do hope that him and his brother have a really productive career because they're Ohio state boys and they really do work hard and want to play the position hard. But I, it almost kind of seems like a, um, like a JJ Watt situation. Like they might have a really good, like stretch of like three or four years where they just don't get injured, but the rest of their career is just riddled with injuries and they're on and off the field. And, you know, they're considered one of the, you know, great pass rushers in NFL history, but they can't be considered the best because they just couldn't stay consistently on the field. And that's just my opinion of where I think their career might go. I hope that's not the case, but that's where I think their career might go. I'd agree. I mean, seeing how injury prone they've both been, especially at this earlier part in their, in their career, it's definitely telling of what's to come down the road because they're not all of a sudden just going to stop getting injured. You know, mm-hmm. If someone's more prone to injury, that doesn't just not go away. So then I mean, you know, little nagging injuries are always going to be there. Hopefully none of them are severe, like a, another torn ligament or whatever, but very rarely will I think we see them play a full season. All right, so we're going to kind of stay in the NFL, and Dom is going to lead us in the discussion of the Browns not showing up for OTAs and how that affects their season, how that looks. When it comes to OTAs, the Browns are in a little bit of a different situation compared to the rest of the NFL. The players rep for the players union is J.C. Treader, who happens to be the starting center for the Browns. And he has been kind of pushing all offseason for pretty much everybody in the NFL to not show up for OTAs, just work out on their own with their trainer, you know, gym or whatever, just don't show up to the team facility. And we've seen players pretty much do that and get hurt, and now they're not getting paid for the season. But there's also players that do want to show up to OTAs just because they like the you know, building the camaraderie with the coaches and the rest of the team. He's kind of put in a tough spot because he wants to represent the players, which is part of his job, but he also has his obligation to his team. The Browns are in a tough predicament when it comes to that. And I think a couple of weeks ago, they were talking with coaches and uh, JC Treader. And I think a bunch of the team decided to show up to OTAs. I think all the rookies and some non-starters, especially on offense, but a lot of the big guys like Baker, OBJ, Jarvis, I think the entire starting offensive line, um, I think the only you know, player of note that showed up to OTAs was Miles Garrett. But then you look across the league, you got you know the entire Steelers team was there. I think the Chiefs had 81 players show up to OTAs. The Ravens are showing up to OTAs. Is the Browns not showing up in full? Is it going to affect them when it comes to the season? Because – Everybody else is showing up and getting that extra practice time. You know, is it going to have an effect? Because last year we saw that no team had OTAs and it looked like it didn't really affect the play on the field that much. But then again, everybody was in the same boat. This year's a little bit different. You got some teams choosing to show up, some teams choosing not to show up to OTAs. So do you think not having the 
extra prep time could affect them in any way? I I actually do think it would affect them. And I think a good example is we saw teams that last year that did that already had that connection with each other who maybe didn't have very big turnover within the organization starters wise they had a you know a good start to the season i mean you look at the steelers who went started 11 and 0 but then as everybody else you know once you're 11 12 weeks into the season everybody else is kind of rounded into form or whatever that may be so you kind of saw that they were able to spend less time trying to get the guys to understand the system and more time focusing on game planning against other teams. So basically what they were just doing the whole time was just hoping that everybody it was helping everybody learn the, the system and hoping that they could put it on the field and win. And there wasn't much preparation to play other teams. And then I think it would affect them a ton this year, especially because Baker didn't have that time to build that connection with OBJ within that offense. So all they did was just, all he was doing was just throwing and praying that it wasn't going to get intercepted and that he was going to catch it. And if they don't give themselves that opportunity again this year, then you're looking at a similar situation where he's going to be throwing it up for prayer and hoping that it doesn't get intercepted. And then hoping that OBJ doesn't come down with an injury again, like an ACL tear because he's putting him in bad spots because there is no connection there. The only kind of rebuttal that I'd have to that is, you know, that's kind of what training camp is for. OTAs are kind of mostly just like a walkthrough, kind of get into shape. You're doing some offensive drills, but it's mostly just a lot of conditioning. Yeah, it's never um, fun ads. But, 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 yeah, but you're camp, still – Training still, camp is really where you, you know, build, start building that chemistry, running through plays. And, I mean, there's really nothing stopping that's Baker. Not, and OBJ. But that's not necessarily true because I was, you know, I was looking at ports out of Steelers OTAs, and they're introducing their new offense because they have a new offensive coordinator. That's why everybody was there because they're introducing a whole new offense. So like they're still doing all that conditioning and stuff like that as well, but they're starting to implement their playbook. They're starting to do all those kinds of things. So even though it might not be like at the same ramped up level of training camp, it would still be good to get on the field and get some passes done, get some routes in, get some plays in, start those kinds of things, especially with that connection. Because if you can't connect with your number one wide receiver, they're going to be right back in the same boat as they were before he got hurt. Because they ju- they started clicking after he was off the field and after there was no pressure to get him the ball, it was just let's just win games. For them, yeah, it was super important for, for those two guys to be there learning each other, not necessarily the playbook, but just learning well, each other in that system. I think so. the OBJ injury was a little bit of Baker forcing the ball a little bit, but also just they got more comfortable in that offense. They didn't have OTAs or a training camp. They had no offseason to implement this this new offense. So they're learning their offense was the first five, six weeks of the season. And they they really started to click after about week seven, you know, which is you know, a week yeah, after after he after, got injured. <laughs> after he got injured. I think that that's just a, a coincidence of, you know, he just happened to get hurt. But you know, who knows? Plus it also puts a lot of pressure on the week of training camp too, to do conditioning playbook, all this stuff that you could just do a simple walkthrough. You don't have to do a whole lot before the season even starts. Yeah. Well, I mean, training camps normally, I think three weeks and then you got the preseason, um, but they're just kind of hoping guys stay in shape during the off season. If teams want their players to 
attend OTAs, they need to incentivize it. I mean, OTAs have always been optional. They always will be optional. Yeah. And so in, unless you want some, you know, it to be either make it mandatory or incentivize it in their contracts, which I don't think that's a, that's even, you know, in anybody's contract. So I don't think it necessarily has to, like you said, it's not full. It's mostly conditioning. It's not full pads. It's not full run of plays. And, and most of them are doing conditioning throughout the year anyways, because you're not just going to sit on the couch the entire off season and eat Doritos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're uh, one of those buffet boys up front. You might just... <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I think it's important for like the, the rookies to show up because I mean, they're, they're rookies, but I mean, if, you know, you you've been with the team for five to six years and the offense hasn't changed at all. You know, it's optional. You know, go take Their your offense vacation. Has changed. It was brand new last year, and they they barely cracked the surface of it. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, they that, that was more of a general championship game. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, why not? Because this no, this I, is a this what, is a team where everybody like a general is, statement, not like a Brown specific statement. That was more general. No, I'm talking about the Browns, but, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying like this, this is a team that they're saying is like a Super Bowl contending team. Like they have an opportunity to compete right. with the bills and the chiefs and the AFC. And then I don't, I mean, other than maybe the Buccaneers, any, I don't really see anybody out of, you know, the other side that, that can compete with their defense. And then if their offense can click and you can plug OBJ in and it can still run as smooth as it did last year, you know, last year at the end of the season with that double-headed back field. I mean, that's that's a scary offense. That's a scary yeah. defense. I don't necessarily think like the addition of Jadavion Clowney was this big as everybody thinks it is. I think he'll do really good in that run-stop king, but I don't think he's going to do anything for Miles Garrett because you can one-on-one Clowney all day and he's not going to get to the quarterback. And it depends on how they line him up. If they, line him up at, if they line him up at defensive tackle, he's good at rushing up the middle and stopping the run. That's it's what I'm saying. What they, he's, he's, he's a run stopper. He's not, he's not a pass rusher. Like everybody thinks he is like, they thought they're going to be able to put him on that line and it's going to free up somebody from not double teaming miles Garrett, but nobody's afraid of Clowney. And I think that's why nobody was willing to pay him $20 million two or three years ago. And that's why nobody was willing to well, pay him that much this year. I mean, the Browns need, they needed a good run stopper up the middle. That's oh, that'll, that'll, one, of the, one of the things that they were lacking. So if he fills that need, I don't know. I think, I think at the end of the day, you're right. OTAs are more for rookies and fringe roster players and guys who aren't starters so they can go in and, and get better and improve that they, they deserve to be on the roster. And that's fine. But if you're in a situation where your offense is changing, you have a new head coach, you're coming back from an injury or you're joining a new team and you're, st- you're comfortable, you know, you're not, you're going to have a spot when you get there for training camp. I think it would still be smart to show up and just start trying to ease your way into the system than throwing yourself into it in, you know, the first day of training camp. And I don't know if JC is like, I understand that he has a commitment to the players union and all that stuff, but that's going to be very toxic throughout the season. As we continue with this whole, I don't want to play an extra game thing. How is he going to handle that? And how is, and how is he going to drag the Browns, through that because apparently there's players that are willing to follow him on that team. So is, is he going to be, is him and the player union going to be unhappy about something and they're just going to sit out. They're not going to play They're You know what I mean? Like these are things uh, that no, I don't think come to that, but we don't I do know think, though. I mean, that's yeah, like, I mean, no, this is the thing we never know. I mean, 
depending on what the, how the season goes, then we'll really be able to reevaluate this entire conversation. If they end up, you know, going back to the AFC championship or, you know, even going to the Super Bowl, they're fine. But if they end up, you know, going, oh, and 17, then it's a conversation we can have then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it too much, but it just looks like it look. It kind of reminds me of when there was too much going on in the locker room back in when, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were causing yeah. all their drama in, in Pittsburgh. Well, this, this and I, is know, I know it's not the same thing. But when you have locker room distractions and you have other things outside sources that are affecting the way that you're choosing how to play or perform or conduct yourself on the field, that affects the whole team, especially when you're talking about your starting center, who is the president of the Players Association. So whatever he decides to do, that that ripple affects everything. Well, it's not like he's, you know, the what he says goes, you know, they have to agree on everything. No, I'm not. But but he clearly was put in that position and, and clearly players respect him. So, yes, I mean, this is a small thing, but I'd like to see how it builds. I mean, I'm not saying that it will. Right. I mean, like I said, I think this is a team that, that could win the AFC North, that could make it to the Super Bowl, that could win a Super Bowl this year. Um, I mean, very we could very much see a Browns, um, Buccaneers, Browns, 49ers Super Bowl. I think that's a big possibility. We'll just have to see. I love how we're talking about the the Browns, but Nick brings up any opportunity he can to talk about the Steelers. <laughs> I didn't like I didn't crap on like, the Browns though. Like I was really four, nice about four it. Four times you brought up the Steelers, like yeah, laugh at every time. <laughs> well okay, there you steal Kern <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I see where we're at. Hello everyone. I apologize for interrupting this great episode but this does conclude part one of two parts you can listen to the remainder of this episode on tuesday in part two where we will finish the discussion on the amount of no hitters this season the unwritten rules of baseball and influencers in boxing again thank you all so much for listening we appreciate all the support and as always we are deep dive sports Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.